Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes! Please stop! I got a bad feeling about this. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Did you go out with Ray? Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Get away from her, you bitch! You're gonna need a bigger boat. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Nights Podcast. My name is Dalton Burdett. I'm Ryan Warner. And we are coming at you with another episode. Uh, don't worry, this show is going to be much more organized than our last episode was. You see, instead of pre-planning 30 seconds before the show, we, pre- we pre-planned 30 minutes before the show. So clearly that had an effect, or at least hopefully it will. I'm sure feedback will let us know regardless. Now, you know, first I just want to ask you, how, how was your weekend, bud? How you doing? It was good. I actually saw a few uh, indie movies that you may or may not have heard of. Uh, the first one called The Meg. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little shark movie. I, I I don't know if you've heard of it. It made a pretty big splash at the box office, and that that'll do it for today. <laughs> God damn it! Oh yeah, the short, the independent, you know, m- yeah, the Meg, yeah. yeah, that independent movie with no name actors and not any enhanced special effects that required no. No, it was just a little indie film. What about you? Any any, any movies you saw this weekend? No, I. Sat in my room in complete darkness and just stared at the wall. It's exactly what I did. You know, of course I went to the movies. I'm pretty sure I saw The Meg with you. Yeah, you did. I, I, did we buy tickets together or were you just happened to be in the same auditorium as me? Pretty sure we bought tickets together. Okay. Nice to see how where I stand on Ryan's friend list. Anyways, going into today's show, the first thing we're going to talk about is the box office. Now... The numbers from last weekend are actually somewhat surprising when you look at, you know, how it ended up. Ryan, are you ready to hear the box office rundown, the top five? I am. Give it to me. Alrighty. Number one was The Meg, which ended up making, in the U.S., $45 million, which it was projected to open at 22. So that's... So almost doubled... It's projected. Yes, but this is still not a great number for how much that movie costs. The movie costs, like, I think 150 And it's open to 149 with overseas money, but it's still going to make... It needs to make at least 300 350 to break even. So we'll see how that goes. Apparently, the Asian audience is really digging the movie. Uh, coming in at number two is Mission Impossible Fallout, and it's third... I believe it's third weekend. I still haven't seen that. I feel really un-American for saying that, but I still haven't seen it. And for some reason, he's still the co-host of the show. But it's <laughs> no, but, uh, for now. Yeah, no, it dropped 45% from last weekend, coming in at around $19 million, which is really good for a third weekend. Christopher Robin came in at $12 million at second weekend, and coming in at number four was Slenderman with $11 million. And coming in at number five, only opening in 1,500 theaters, was Black Klansman making $10 million. Now, I mean, no one expected this to be like, it was never going to be like a, like a blockbuster, but this independent Spike Lee movie opened at $10 million. That's very good. Like, that's impressive yeah. yeah yeah so you know i haven't had a chance to see it yet hopefully i would this weekend and we can talk about it on the show but yeah that seems to be the top five um any big takeaways from this week any surprises anything that you thought was gonna be different honestly the meg um leading up to it with all the trailers uh 
I could just tell that this is just going to be a terrible shark movie. But I guess that's what everyone else thought, and they were like, yeah, definitely have to go check it out. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm glad that it's made that much money on its uh, opening weekend. But uh, what about you? Uh, for me, I think the only thing that uh, really is kind of a downer is if you go all the way down the list to number 16... Uh, that's where eighth grade came in, and um, I got a chance to see that movie over the week also. And it wasn't as—I don't know if it was opening weekend because it opened in smaller theaters, but it make it ranked in about one point five million. And A twenty four put it out, directed and written and directed by Bill Burnham. That movie was fantastic. Oh yeah, it reminds me a lot of Office Space. Really. Yes. Did you get that while you were watching it? I did not. Okay, I'm I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but more in depth, uh, both with that and the Meg. Mm -hmm. We'll have a review later in the episode, but I'll just say that for now. I got a a real Office Space vibe from it and just the realism aspect of it. Gotcha. Yeah, no. Yeah, that... I I can't wait to hear... I I guess in terms of realism, I can can see where you're coming from. Yeah. Interesting. Didn't think about Office Space. Hmm. But now, now that you said it, just in terms of realism, I can kind of see where you were... Yeah, how, like, painful it is to watch it, Yeah, right? yeah. Because, yeah. like, like, everyone remembers being in eighth grade and being like, you know, don't look at me or I'll kill myself, in the words <laughs> of John Mulaney. But, yeah. yeah. All right. But, uh, anything happen in Hollywood right now? Because, uh, I don't know, man. It's pretty big business, so there has to be something that's happening. Oh, oh, geez. Let's get, let's get into it, you know. Uh, more drama with Ben Affleck and Batman and all that. Oh, my God. All, all that noise, you know. Um, I just wish they would give us a goddamn answer. You know, I just wish one day someone would be like, you know what? Here's everything that's happening with Batman. Just so, we, even if it's not what I want to hear, I'll, I'll just, I'll know. Yeah. You know? why? What is so hard about that? I don't understand, you know? Honestly, I don't even know what they're thinking. Like, I, I wish I knew what they were thinking. I wish that the public knew what they were thinking. It's just... Yeah, we're making, like, all these movies. Oh, wait, we keep pushing back production. Oh, there keeps to be uh, there's still changes like originally he was set to direct it and then he wasn't and then it's a question if he's gonna be in it or not because of matt reeves script like there's just we don't know anything and we keep getting information about different things that keep happening on production of it and it's it's rather annoying i agree but a report came out last week from production weekly that lists the Batman, which is the working title for the movie, as starting production in spring of next year, starting shooting. Okay, that doesn't sound too bad. Doesn't sound too bad. Um, Whether or not to believe that report, we'll get into in a minute. But just for the sake of the argument, assuming that that is true, listed as an executive producer for the film is Ben Affleck. Now, a lot of people have been speculating, like, oh, that must confirm that he's in the movie. My opinion on that varies very differently i think that in, in if the report is believed to be true which honestly i don't even think you should believe it because the script's not even done yet like i think two weeks ago matt reeve said that he's almost done with the first draft of the script like yeah it was reported he turned one in where bruce wayne was younger but that turned out to not be as accurate but he said it in an interview himself that he was going to turn in the first draft soon which means it wasn't done and they're going to start shooting this thing in spring i i that just seems off to me but again, just for the sake of the argument, let's just assume that that's true, that this report is accurate. What I think this does is I think it actually confirms that Ben Affleck isn't playing Batman in that movie. Why is that? 
When uh, Lord and Miller were fired from Han Solo, uh, what were they? What were they credited as? EPs. When uh, when Edgar Wright left Ant Man, what uh, what was he credited as? EP. Yeah. When Ben Affleck left Batman, I wonder what he's going to be credited as. Executive producer. Exactly, and and I think that um you know he worked out a deal, get his name on the movie. Yeah. But you know credit towards his name. Yeah, I mean, and of course that's also assuming that the news is true. But here's the thing. Ben Affleck still has one film remaining on his contract that Warner Brothers can make him do if they really want to. Now, a lot of people are speculating like, oh, like maybe he'll do this one Matt Reeves Batman movie and then he'll be done after that. Mm -hmm. I have a different theory because people have also noticed pictures of Ben Affleck online recently and he looks like he's getting back into shape. People are like, oh shit, is he, is he going to play Batman again? Like, is that what that's all about? What people don't realize is that he has five upcoming movies that he's going to be in as an actor. One of those movies being The Accountant 2. Really? Yes. And he's an assassin in that movie. You're going to have to be in somewhat decent shape to play an assassin. Now, here's what I think, and this is just pure speculation, my theory, what I think Warner Brothers is going to do with this scenario. I think that the Matt Reeves Batman is going to be a reboot of some sort, or that, or just take place in its own separate universe, like the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Oh my god, because that's exactly what we need. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, but, because I think, here's what I think is going to happen. I think Ben Affleck is getting in shape to to play the accountant again. The accountant is directed by Gavin O'Connor. Guess what else Gavin O'Connor is directing? What? Suicide Squad 2. Hmm. I think Warner Brothers is going to make Ben Affleck use his one last movie on Suicide Squad 2, that he wouldn't mind working yeah. with Gavin O'Connor again, because they seem to get along quite well. Right. I think that movie is going to be the last time, and it kills me to say, Ben Affleck is my favorite on-screen portrayal of Batman that I've ever seen, personally, and I want him to stay forever. <laughs> I think Suicide Squad 2 is going to be the last time we see Ben Affleck as Batman, and that Matt Reeves is going to go in a separate direction, and that's why he's credited as an EP. Even if that report is even true. Yeah. What are your general thoughts? Honestly, after hearing that, it sounds like you have an argument on your hands. Yeah. Like going back to Edgar Wright and Ant Man mm-hmm. and um the two directors who were fired from solo, it's mm-hmm. I'd say you have an argument on your hands, but it it I don't know. I don't know enough about this to make an argument like that. Mm. I just kind of have to sit and wait and see what the future has and hold for this. But I'm definitely going to be watching it more closely now mm-hmm. to see how this unfolds as uh, as spring hits. Because I, I, I'm assuming that's the next time like something big like this will come out for the yeah. Batman is either mm-hmm. later this year or early next year. So I'm definitely going to have to uh, watch this story more closely. But... As of right now, I don't know too much to make an argument about it, but I'd say that you have a pretty solid argument on your hands, and you have a few other movies to back it up. Yeah, and you know, and in a perfect world, Ben Affleck does Suicide Squad two, and then he does the Batman, and then he does two more Batman films, and then he does this, and then well, he does I that. Because I I enjoy him as as a, an older Batman. Yeah, me me too. What really pisses me off though is that they still I'm still upset that he's not directing it. Like I'm still upset that those negotiations fell through and that he, they kind of took it away from him. Oh, but he backed down because he wanted to focus more on the character. Oh, that's so full of <laughs> shit. Like that whole statement. Great great PR, but like that was such bullshit. And and, and why is that bullshit? It's bullshit because 
The last time he acted and directed in a movie, not counting Live by Night, the movie won Best Motherfucking Picture at the Oscars. Argo. It's a great movie. But Batman's different. Is it, though? Is it, though, when you've been acting for nearly 30 years? Is it, though, when you've been directing for nearly 15, 20, maybe, years? I don't remember when um, Gone Baby Gone came out. But, yeah. Um, Affleck is totally capable of playing Batman and being the director. He knew that when he wrote the script, the original script that... Warner Brothers threw out because they're Warner Brothers. Because they're Warner Brothers, but no, uh, but yeah, Mac, God, which is funny because someone else who uh, is really big into the movie industry and has his own podcast that we listen to, John Campia. Yes, he said that DC is Warner Brothers' Achilles' heel. Yes, which is really interesting. After listening to him talk about it, mm-hmm. and then seeing this report, because like yeah. I agree, Warner Brothers is a fantastic studio. Yeah, they're, they make great movies every year. They do, and it's just something about DC they cannot do. Yeah, and and they have new leadership, and hopefully that helps. You know, and they're clearly really excited about Shazam and Aquaman. Yeah, but um, but yeah, something else that John Campia said that like I live my life by. He said Ben Affleck was the LeBron James of the DCEU. <laughs> And he's now he just wants to get traded, and yeah. that was my favorite thing I've ever heard. But yeah, all right, we we could have a whole episode talking about this, but we yeah. should probably move on to our next story, yes. which which is also a pretty big story. This comes from the Hollywood Reporter. You like the new Star Trek movies? As a casual fan, yes, I think we've talked about this a few times that yeah. you know we're not real big into this, uh, Star Trek, but I, I'd say that they're pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not a Trekkie by any sense of the imagination, but I love the three, the trilogy. It's, yeah. I, I find it very solid, um, especially for like getting people who don't watch Star Trek to watch Star Trek. I think they did a great job with that. Yeah, I was hooked. And uh, the plot of Star Trek Four was going to be interesting because yeah. in the first Star Trek movie, the first J.J. Abrams one, Chris Hemsworth, before he was really known for 10 minutes, played Captain Kirk's dad in a flashback. Mm-hmm. And in the fourth one, since now he's big, there, there was going to be a time travel story, and Kirk, played by Chris Pine, and um, Chris Hemsworth, playing Kirk's dad, were going to interact with each other. That just sounds like a really cool plot, right? I'd say so. Well, the plot's not going to fucking happen now, because guess what happened? Both Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth have walked from the deal with Paramount. Now... The report does go on to say that they could come back to the table, because that happens all the time. Hell, Matt Reeves with Batman walked away at first, and then he had to come back to negotiation. Sometimes you just need to chill and come yeah. back. But what's interesting is like the different reasons they walked away. Chris Hemsworth is simple. He was like, I want more money, and Paramount was like, you know, Star Trek did not make that much money at the box office last year. We really need to keep these budgets in check, which is totally reasonable on them. Yeah. But also, Chris Hemsworth is, is like one of the biggest stars on the planet right now. He's like, I'm Thor, goddammit. Like... I want some more money. And they were like, we can't. And then Chris Hemsworth left. Guess why Chris Pine left? Why? Something similar, but a little bit different. He signed a contract that said he is always guaranteed a minimum amount of X. Like, I don't know what the amount is. And Paramount asked him to take a pay cut for this movie. Listing the same reasons as that, like, we haven't been making the box office returns that we need to. And we need to keep these budgets lower. We need you to take a pay cut. Chris Pine was like, uh, guys, we have a literal contract agreement that says I can get, I have to get paid this much if I'm going to do Star Trek four. Why why are you not honoring the agreement? And they're like, look, we, we know we made the agreement and we want to honor it. Maybe we can make another deal to satisfy you, but we really need this budget lowered. So I I can see where both sides are coming from. 
And, you know, honestly, if Chris Hemsworth doesn't come back, you've you got to get Pine. Like, you can recast his dad. He was in the yeah. movie for 10 minutes. But I think that Paramount really wants Chris Hemsworth because he's going to be that extra box office draw of people of who wouldn't normally go see the movie. So Paramount has themselves in a sticky situation, but um, there's a whole other aspect to this that I'll talk about in a second. But what do you think? I think it'd be in their best interest to just shovel out some money and get them in. Uh, I would say that of the three movies that the third one was the weakest and i could see where paramount's coming from that they have to uh yeah i mean i I, don't get me wrong i still enjoyed it but of the three i think i'd say that's the weakest so i I get where they're coming from about taking um taking the budget down a little bit but at the same time if you have these two phenomenal actors Mm -hmm. in the same movie they're interacting with each other on screen I think that you'd easily make your money back. I think so anyway. So I think it's in their best interest just to satisfy them, get a solid script out, and then get your return. What what about you? What's your take on this? My take is that it's also sticky because apparently every other supporting cast member, they're in. Like, like they're going to do the movie. And I think there's a solution that no one's really talking about right now. What's that? And that's... Star Trek Four is being developed, and it's going to be directed by, I forget her name, but she's going to be the first, I feel bad, I forget her name, but she's, she was going to be the first female director of a Star Trek movie. So I feel bad that this situation's happening with her. Yeah. But there's another project that hasn't been greenlit yet, but a while back, Quentin Tarantino submitted a script to J.J. Abrams and Paramount and pitched a Star Trek movie. And at first, everyone thought that it was going to be like, oh, just like it's a spinoff type thing that, you know, would take place, who knows... But Zachary Quinto gave an interview a couple months back. I want to say four or five months back. And in the interview, he said, yeah, I've read both, and there's a way for us to be in Tarantino's movie. Hmm. Why not make Tarantino's movie if they want to greenlight it? And he, wouldn't, he probably wouldn't even direct it, but his written movie. Get those other Star Trek characters in there and use that as extra funding to make this movie or at least just see how that movie does and if it does well yeah. then you know that you can get that audience back now granted that's a lot easier said than done mm-hmm. but i just think that it's a solution that they're overlooking at the moment what do you think i think that's very feasible for them mm-hmm. uh we all know that quentin Tarantino's a phenomenal writer mm-hmm. however we haven't seen him write anything for sci-fi yet so i wonder how good that script actually is i mean i'm not doubting him by any means of the stretch but i definitely would be interested to see how that script turned out Mm. but i i think that's something that especially if zachary uh quinto came out and said that there's a way for them to be in both movies that's definitely a way to draw in some extra money to pay these two actors so uh, I don't know. I, I wonder if they're actually like looking at that as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not only that, but I just hope that the negotiations go back to the table regardless. Because yeah. I was really looking forward to this time travel Star Trek movie. Like I thought that was going to be really cool. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that you know they can put their differences aside, just come out with a better deal, come back to the table, and see what happens. Because it would be really unfortunate if this movie didn't get made because of something like this. But I mean, hey, it happens. It's business, and that's really kind of how it goes, you know? Yeah. All right. Next story is going to be very, very interesting. So, you know how a few episodes back we were sort of talking about how we briefly mentioned the deal of 
that Sony has with Marvel and Disney. It's a very strange deal. Strange, strange deal about, you know, use the use of the Spider-Man character. Real quick overview, overview before we get into the story. Tom Holland signed a contract with Sony for three films. He also signed a contract with Disney for three films. His Disney films, Civil War, Infinity War, and Avengers 4. His Sony films, Homecoming, Far From Home, and then another movie. Here's the issue. The deal that Marvel and Sony made ends after Far From Home, which means there's still one Sony film left on Tom Holland's contract. So are they going to extend the deal with Marvel and then have that be Tom Holland's extra movie? Or are they going to say, you know what, you, we had our fun, we're going to take that character back now and then throw Tom Holland in their universe that they're building with Venom? A new report came to light the other day. Now, the, the big head of this report was they're saying that they're sp- splitting the Silver and Black movie into separate movies. Like Silver Sable movie and a Black Hat movie. Which is, you know, alright, whatever. But then, as they kept going along, the interviewer, who was working for Variety, asked them, I- is Venom going to be rated R? And then here is the direct quote from the report in Variety. It is unlikely that Venom will be, will be the first R-rated Sony Marvel movie. Trailers for the film, which recently underwent reshoots in Los Angeles after shooting in Georgia, emphasize the horror movie element, showing the title character as he's about to bite a person's head off. But some members of Sony's brain trust believe that the film should push the very limits of PG-13 without crossing over into an R rating. The feeling is that it will give the studio greater leeway for future installments that will feature Spider-Man, something that Venom does not do. Wait, Give the studio greater leeway for future installments that will feature Spider-Man. So it seems like that Sony may have let slip that they plan on taking the Spider-Man character back and not renegotiating the deal with Marvel. Now, granted, this could also just mean any version of Spider-Man could be Miles Morales they're talking about, but this is the first indicator that they have plans to use that Spider-Man character in that universe. And they have the legal means to use Tom Holland and get that box office money of how insanely popular that character is. Yeah. What, just what, what do you think of this whole story? And am, I, am I overthinking it? Did I look into it too much? What's going on? Okay. As a fan mm-hmm. of Venom, yes. I would be ecstatic if they have Tom Hardy and Tom Holland on the screen together, Venom versus Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. However, as... Someone who, uh, on the other side of me being a fan, not not a comic book fan, but more of a movie fan, mm-hmm. I would want Sony and Marvel to work things out. I mean, obviously, in a perfect world, Marvel owns all these characters yeah. and they can do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that they can reach another three and three movies again with Sony and three with Disney. I hope. Um but as the days go on, it looks like Sony is going to actually pull Tom Holland away and put him into their Sony universe of Marvel characters or whatever they're calling it. Yeah. Um, it's, it seems like that's what's actually going to happen is they're just going to build their own universe off these already established characters that Marvel made yeah. and then just kind of ride off their backs. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing to me is that if they did do that, and like like you, if I saw Tom Holland and Tom Hardy, I'd be like, 
shit, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. But my concern is, is that there's going to be so many people who are confused as shit when they see, if they see Tom Holland and Tom Hardy, and they're going to go, where's Iron Man? You know, yeah. wh- where's the... I thought that this was in the the Marvel. Is this not in the Marvel movie? But I saw Spider-Man with the Avengers. Like what? And the casual moviegoer, who's, you know, doesn't have their nose in the movie news, is not going to understand what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, in comic books, you could have characters exist in two different worlds simultaneously, and it didn't matter. I don't know if we reach that level with the movie-going audience for that to just be an acceptable thing that happens. Yeah. You know, and... Maybe if they, they could retcon Venom, and maybe they made a deal behind the scenes that says, hey, Venom is sort of in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, just off to the side. We're just not going to reference it that much. Mm-hmm. Like, they're kind of like the Marvel Netflix shows. Yeah. Which, that would be cool. But I highly doubt that that happened, because, you know, all the trailers say, you know, in association with Marvel, not yeah, Marvel. Like a big middle finger yeah. over to Marvel. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's more like a Marvel middle, giving middle finger to Sony. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, but anyway... It's still an interesting thing that that keeps happening. Like I still don't know what is going to happen with this. I because like the, the, I, the pros and cons for both are just insane. So let's say for the sake for argument's sake, Sony pulls back Tom Holland. What do you think they're going to do with his character in the MCU? He just doesn't show up anymore. Like, are they going to replace him with another character? Because I I believe we were talking a while ago, and you said. In Civil War, if they couldn't get rights to Spider-Man, that they were gonna bring Charlie Cox's Daredevil on. Yeah, they were either him or just some like some other character, character to take that place. But now that you have Spider-Man established in the MCU, pretty much you're just gonna have to have stories that are written in a way that he's just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. That's all he is, and yeah, just or, let it be. Or just or, or that, or just don't even mention him. Yeah. You know, because like two characters from Incredible Hulk have made it past Incredible Hulk, and that's the Hulk and General Ross. We haven't heard of Betty since 2008. They just don't talk about her. Yeah. Now, granted, Spider-Man is a much bigger deal than Betty Ross, but and, and but you also have to be careful because if they don't own that rights to the character, they might not even be allowed to reference the character. Because mm-hmm. even references had to be written out of previous scripts and Marvel movies because it's like, we don't own the character. We can't reference that character. So who knows? Like Another deal that had to be worked out just to reference Spider-Man. Because I remember Ant-Man referenced Spider-Man. And they almost got in trouble. Because, hmm. uh, like, the Falcon... Or, yeah, Falcon at the end, when, when Michael Pena's doing his thing about, like, telling stories, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, we got a guy that can crawl on walls. And everyone was like, oh, shit, you know. Hmm. But, yeah. Well, I, I think what's really going to be a deciding factor is how much money Venom makes, to be honest. And yeah. I think it's going to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to draw in a lot of people to, to that film. Um if it does well, they're definitely going to be pulling Tom Holland, I think. Yeah, and the thing that sucks is like, but there's an argument that maybe the reason they pull him is because it does bad. You know, maybe if Venom's successful on its own, they're like, oh, we don't need Tom Holland. It's like, here, you know, Marvel, you can make more stuff with him. Yeah. But if it sucks, and they're like, shit, what are we going to do? We put so much money in this, like, just get, here, get Tom Holland over here. Maybe that's how they fix it. Mm. So the argument could go both ways with that. Yeah. And I think that... The whole crazy part is, is that, you know, who knows the decision that they're going to make. And I feel like it would just, it would suck so bad to have Tom Holland pulled away from the MCU after, like, we have, like, the best version of Spider-Man that we've seen. Yeah. Like, in the Avengers universe. And and I think that um, Tom Holland wouldn't really like it that much. And I think that, I mean, that's, of course, I don't know what he thinks, but that's just, if I had to guess, 
Because it sounds like he really enjoys his time in the MCU. Yeah, yeah, t- totally, totally. And, you know, I just, I don't know. So, I mean, I, I think, I mean, this is just me spitballing, but I think that if they do pull him, I don't think he's going to return as Spider-Man, like, once his contract's up, like, if if they do pull him back into the Sony universe. I mean, sure, they'll have all the Spider-Man characters, but is he actually going to enjoy being Spider-Man? Well, I mean, the thing is, if they pull him, he has one more film left. So even if he didn't want to play Spider-Man... He would still have to play that... Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he'd still have to play that one role, but when his contract's up, I think that... I, I don't think he would want to come back. I mean, maybe. It just depends. Like, maybe he works if... Like, you know, hypothetically, if they pull him into Venom, maybe yeah. he works on it and loves it, you know? It's just... it's just, Yeah, it's, it's just a whole scenario of what-ifs, but the what-if keeps coming right. up. Yeah, and it's just like, okay, I'm tired of this what-if. Just tell me. Kind of like with Ben Affleck as Batman. Like, I'm tired of speculation. Just tell me. Just tell me what's going on. Yep. That would be wonderful to know. All right. Now, this this last bit of news before we get into, you know, little reviews for 8th Grade and the Meg. Uh, can can you in, um, introduce this? Because I'm, I'm feeling very, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to get, I, I want to hear your opinion on this. Um, you, as a filmmaker, enjoy watching movies, obviously. Do you enjoy watching these movies get awards? I do. Like, maybe Oscars? I watch the Oscars every year. I even have a little contest with family and friends. Oh, well, I have a bit of good news for you. You can add another category Yeah. to your game, yeah. Because the Oscars have just added a popular film category. Now... I don't think this goes into effect until 2019 or 2020, I believe. It's it's not going to be for this next set uh or this next Oscars show, but for the next one, I believe is when it goes into effect. But a popular film category. What's your take on that? Mr. Warner, I'm so glad you asked. <clears throat> what the fuck, dude? A popular film category? Are you fucking serious? For the Oscars. For the Oscars? What are they, the fucking MTV Awards? My god, okay, like, the Oscars was the last show that we had that was, like, actual excellence. Like, where, you know, you didn't watch it and it wasn't a popularity contest. Like, it was just like, alright, they awarded the movies they thought were the best. Even if you disagreed, it was clear that these Academy voters thought these were the best films of the year. I'm pissed off by this for many reasons. The biggest one being they literally took genre movies, big blockbuster genre movies, and said, thanks for playing, and then just put them over here in and, and movies that could have serious contention for the Oscar race. And it totally just spits in the face of movies that have grown, like genre movies that have grown and become great. Like last year, the Academy nominated Logan, the, a Wolverine movie. Comic book movie. A comic book Wolverine movie for best adapted screenplay. Because even the Academy was like, holy shit, this is an amazing story. This deserves some recognition. Totally doesn't matter. Totally doesn't fucking matter now because you just have this own little separate category where all this, what the fuck, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? Is that going to get an Oscar nomination for best popular category? Because it might not, it might go effect into this year. They haven't really talked about it yet. They haven't, but I mean... I don't know. I, I would assume it's not going to go into effect until next year. It's going to be real. It's going to turn a lot of heads if it goes into effect this year. And the thing is, it's had world, like, not worldwide, uh, wrong word. It's had 
nationwide industry-wide backlash everyone involved being like are you fucking really like what like the oscars let's clarify this the oscars are the highest yeah. level of recognition in hollywood and they turned it into a popularity contest it's exactly and it's literally the oscar voters going oh you know how we were sweating about how oh man we might have to nominate a blockbuster movie we don't have to worry about that anymore because we can just throw them in their own little fucking kid table at the Thanksgiving t- <laughs> dinner and we can just nominate the re- quote-unquote real movies and then give them their own category. Get the fuck out of here. Are you? I feel, I feel like that discredits The Dark Knight. I feel like that <laughs> discredits, like you said, Logan. Discredits all future movies. Like anything like Avatar. That... And also, here's a question. How the fuck do you define popular film? Would it be critic consensus? Would it, is it box office? Is Because here's the thing. Get Out was made for $4 million, but made hundreds worldwide. I'd say that's pretty popular. That's a popular film. Does, that, does Jordan Peele not win Best Screenplay? Does that movie not get a Best Picture nomination? Because it was popular? What the fuck? Do you... Do you see why I am angry about this? Because I get, like, what they're trying to do is be like, oh, look, we want to recognize more blockbusters. Then fucking nominate them for awards if you think they're that deserving. Here's the thing. If you don't think they're deserving, then don't nominate them. Yeah. I'm not saying you should nominate a movie that you don't feel should be nominated. But if it should, why are you second-guessing yourself by saying, hmm, but it's a comic book movie or it's a very popular blockbuster movie. Hmm, I don't know why I should nominate this. Why the fuck does it matter? The Oscars The Oscars was about doesn't matter if your movie was made for one dollar or it was made for a billion dollars. If it was excellence, it would be rewarded at that show. And it's totally undermining what that show even means. Like, people have dreams of winning an award like that, and now it's kind of become useless. Like it became like what the Grammys became a long time ago. And it's just Fucking, it's like it's almost. It's, this is almost as much of a joke as the entire winning a Golden Globe and how easy that shit is. They should have just left the Oscars as is. It was fine. I mean, maybe increase the nomination size. But no, no, well, here's the thing, and they did that with when Dark Knight came out. They were like, uh, "You kind of blatantly didn't nominate the best movie of the year," and they were like, "Uh, well, guess what? That and then from now on, you up to ten movies, yeah." And then they did Avatar. It's like we're gonna get ratings, haha. And it's like. Okay, but what, 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 what did that really do, you know? Adding this, what do you think it, they're looking for? Do you think they're looking for ratings since ratings have been down? Like, do you think this is going to, yeah. like, what do you think their goal with adding this is? Ratings. And, and like, and it's not the Academy. Like, here's the thing that pissed me off is ABC apparently influenced them to do this. But if you're the Academy, give ABC the middle finger and just be like, it's an award show that we're not going to damage the integrity of. And what upsets me, it's not that they just added another category. We have a Best Popular Film Oscar before we have Best Casting Director, before we have Best Stunt Coordination. Awards that should be awards that have not even been talked about. I mean, Casting Director's been brought up a lot before in the past. Like, hey, that should really be an award. I think Stunt and Coordination should really be an Academy Award. Best Popular Film. What a time to be alive. Ho oh, ho. You're fucking telling me. This really, I hope, I pray to God that something happens 
where the backlash is too strong and they just say, never mind. That would be... well, JK. Yeah, that would be really wonderful. But this... I am really pissed off. Because, like, honestly, the best animated film is also sort of a cop-out. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, people have gotten on board with it because it's been around, which I hope it doesn't happen with this shit. But, like, there shouldn't really have to be a best animated film award. If it's that good... Not throw it in nominate with... Nominate it for Best Picture. Yeah. And even then, they still do it sometimes. They'll nominate it for both. And it's just... It's so aggravating. Like, what's next? Best sports movie? Best superhero movie? Best action movie? Best movie that starts with the letter J? Like, when the fuck are the... Os- where are they gonna stop at these specific-ass categories? This whole thing just really fucking eats me. Yeah. And I'm quite upset. And I would like to move on to the reviews because I'm getting heated. Yeah. So, I feel like our next few movies don't really have any spoilery moments, so fair to say that we're going to do a spoiler warning for The Meg and 8th Grade, Uh, or would you want to hold off on that? Because I feel like there's really no big moments that really happened. I mean, I feel like both movies are kind of predictable. Yeah, well, 8th Grade... Uh, like you, you, you could. The thing about eighth grade though is we could not spoil it and just talk about what it dealt with. Right. So let's not spoil eighth grade. But if you didn't see the Meg, then you clearly don't want to see the Meg. So we're gonna spoil the Meg. Yeah. But uh, eighth grade we won't spoil. But we'll, let's talk about the Meg first. Overall thoughts. What the hell did we watch? <laughs> so there was one scene I got to see before watching the actual movie for reasons I won't name right now. Mm-hmm. But I went in with that one scene in my head and was like, I know exactly what I'm walking into, mm-hmm. which is funny because before we went to go see the movie, you were like, I hope Jason Statham just punches a shark in the face. <laughs> so, you know, this scene comes on. They know the Meg's a thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's, or they need Jason Statham's help because yeah. it's written in the script. Yeah. Only he can stop the Megalodon. <laughs> so they get him on board, and I, what I think is arguably the best scene yes, in the oh, entire it movie was. It was. is they have a shark tank to capture or. They have, they have someone in, a, in an indestructible shark tank, again, because the script says it's indestructible, to kill the Meg, and it's trying to swallow it whole, because it's freaking huge, yeah. and of course, just Jason, Jason Statham just rips his clothes off, dives right in, pulling himself into the, into the Meg's mouth, and Rain Wilson goes, hell yeah! <laughs> that describes the whole movie yes totally but i uh, no i thoroughly enjoyed it for it being a bad movie but what about you what what are your thoughts i somewhat feel the same but it wasn't dumb enough like i really wanted it to be more dumb and here's the thing they could have gotten away with it being serious if they wanted to not too serious they could have gotten away with it being like not crazy if they wanted to because like there are times where the movie's dramatic and it works there are times the movie is just off the walls crazy and it works. But then there's times where neither one works. And then the jumping between the tones is so... It doesn't flow well. Yeah. 
And it's just like, I wish they just would have picked a direction and went with it. But, I mean, there were moments in this movie, though, where you were just like, oh, my God. I Finally, I got to see a Megalodon jump out of the water with Jason Statham holding on to it via stabbed it with something. And it's just holding on for dear life. Like, you get to see a Megalodon jump on a boat like fucking Bruce did with Jaws. Like, it's it's crazy. And I... That was nice. And also just, you know, not enough people died. And... This film really would have benefited if it was rated R. Which is funny, because what did Jason Statham say about the movie? Jason Statham was in an interview, I believe, with, I believe it was with Collider, but I could be wrong. And he said that the movie he signed up to make was R-rated, was bloody, was gory, was just batshit crazy. And then the studio made him tone it down, which is unfortunate. But, which I, and again, I still think this movie would have benefited from being rated R. Yeah, I mean, I would, I agree that there was some, like, moments in there that could have been taken out or replaced uh had some serious moments that i wasn't really getting behind because i walked in wanting a bad shark movie and there were some serious moments in there that i wasn't really ready for but definitely wanted to see more meg wanted to see more jason statham just duking it out in water so but the the only thing that would have made this movie perfect is if seth MacFarlane showed up and said shut up meg that would have been a one a like gr8 grape it yeah. would have been amazing. But, uh, but yeah, um, before we move on to 8th grade, any other thing you want to say about The Meg? If you haven't seen it, go watch it. I mean, it it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's like, entertaining. It's yeah. very entertaining. Yeah, if you have nothing better to do. Oh, and we saw it in Dolby, and that helped. That was awesome. That was an experience. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, pretty, it was pretty great. But uh, moving on to 8th grade, let's talk about how that movie was <clears throat> fucking phenomenal. Like, incredible. And, like, I've been a Bo Burnham fan since his the, the, I saw him do the stand-up Words, 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 which I think he was 19 or something, you know, because he used to be a comedian. Started off on YouTube, you know, the whole internet sensation story, but he was actually very intelligent, very smart, did three three or four stand-up specials. I've seen three. I don't know if he's done more. But um, he decided, I'm going to write and direct a drama about being in the eighth grade and how life sucks and how, like, in the modern digital age, how it's different. And it is absolutely amazing, like, how well done this movie is how character driven it is the performance from the girl was unbelievable oh, yeah. so just like talk about it man it's always very scary seeing a comedian write and direct something that's not comedic yeah. because you never know how it's gonna turn out like with jordan peele and get out yeah. amazing turned out great yeah. please continue writing by all means yeah. bo burnham a little hesitant walking in but before going into it all I heard were positive things, so I was expecting positive things, and it delivered. So please, Bo Burnham, by all means, please continue to write. It, well, like I said earlier, I got a real Office Space vibe from it. And if you haven't seen Office Space, it's basically an everyday uh, guy who, or an average guy, and you follow him through his just boring office job. It's painful to watch because of how realistic it is. I kind of got the same vibe from this. In that now everything that this girl went through, obviously I didn't didn't go through, but a lot of it I could relate to in a sense. And it was just very painful because of how true some of the scenes were and, and the way they all talked was very accurate to how, you know, we talked when we were in middle school and it's, it's very well done 
and it's not getting the recognition I feel that it deserves. I agree, and something that I really liked about this film was showing how in the social media age, it's easy to put yourself out there and preach things like confidence and self-esteem, but then you actually have to go out and try and do it, how that can personally affect you and what you're doing. And I think that the film did a great job of showing that. It did a great job of just showing just the, the mindset of someone at, in the, at that time in their life and how like cringy all the adults are around them and just like them really just wanting to not be there. And, you know, also I think that it showed how important it is that like to have really good supportive parents oh, yeah. with the father character in this movie. And, you know, something that, you know, there are a lot of powerful scenes in the movie. Like there's a, I won't spoil it, but there's a scene that takes place in a car that is horrifying to watch like you are like oh my oh my god oh my god what it doesn't stop no it it like keeps going you're like oh my god please please get me away from this scene not because it was bad but because it was so real that you were just like i i don't want to watch this and that's actually the biggest compliment i can give to the film is how crazy realistic it was yeah and i, I think bill burnham did a fantastic job and i really in a24 has been cranking out some killer stuff and and i really look forward to what Bill Burnham does next, because clearly I, I don't think he's going to go back to comp, stand-up comedy anytime soon. Yeah, I, I hope he sticks with at least writing, but definitely directing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just want to see what he has in store for the future, because I, I hope he sticks with films and more serious subject matter like this. Yeah. And like you said, like this touched a lot on like self-confidence and mm-hmm. self-worth, which I thought were amazing themes, and, and he portrayed those very well. But going more on a technical side of it, um, there were two shots in it that I really loved. The what? What would you call that? Like the pan back? Like when it, you know what I'm talking about? What like scene are you referring to? <clears throat> um, when they're in school playing music, like you know that shot. Oh, the zoom, the zoom out shot. Zoom out yeah. shot. Yeah, there were two shots in the movie that I really liked. There was that one. And then the one at the party. The pool party. Oh, yeah. Those were very well done shots, I felt like. Dude, and, and did you get the Vietnam flashback of being at a pool party in middle school during that scene? Oh, oh my that God. Hurt me. Yeah. That yeah. hurt me. But a- anything else on like a technical level that you really enjoyed? Uh, the music. I thought the music was very, very good. Um, it was used for comedic elements. It was used to just kind of bridge scenes. But either way, like, and, you know, with Bo Burnham's musical background, I knew the music was going to be good. He didn't do the music himself, but I knew that he wouldn't, like, let that be, like, oh, it's not important. I knew he was going to take it seriously. And I really, really enjoyed the music for the film. Yeah, that, uh, the main song, I actually downloaded it because nice. it, it's, it's very nice. It, it yeah. like, just brings you, uh, it, it, it fills you full with joy, and yeah. I love it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, eighth grade might be in my. T- uh, it's for sure. It might be my top ten of the year. Maybe maybe top five. I would argue that. Yeah. Really, really good. I highly recommend everyone go see eighth grade. Definitely watch eighth grade before the Meg though, because yeah. eighth grade is more deserving of your. And eighth grade needs the money. Yeah, it's uh, it's hurting, but it's it's not due to it being a bad film. Yeah. Very good. Oh yeah. Well. I think that's going to do it for us on the next episode of the Movie Nights podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Dalton Burdett. I'm Ryan Warner. 